I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, you know what's giving you one of those videos. This is Simmons New York Giant Straight Talk. Powered by my line, Big Blue LLC. Couldn't talk there for a minute. Want to talk about Brian Dable and his lack thereof composure. Want to talk about Kayvon Thibodeau and what may be missing from his game. Um, there's there's a report from Pat Leonard that um, that that and like I said, it's from a giant beat writer. So you always have to take everything with 100% grain of salt. Uh, but there's an article that came out that basically said Brian Dable has no composure. Um, that his assistants have been warned to stay away from him. That he's basically fuming Brian Dable. You know, it's funny though, just real quick. Um, I, I had some people that have been listening to this channel for a while, uh, all of a sudden turn around and go to me. Well, I'm not listening to you anymore because you're negative. And it's not that the fact that you're right. It's just that you're negative because you're pointing out the things that are right. And things that are true. I was, and I keep thinking to myself, what the hell does that mean? I point out things that are right and you're not going to, you don't like me anymore because I point out the truth and you don't like that. I, I, I there's only one thing I have to say to that. No. Bon voyage. Have a great time. <laughs> if you're going to go, go. <laughs> I mean, cause that, that was probably one of the dumbest comments I ever heard. And I got a couple of those yesterday and, and I got someone actually emailed it to me. I have to read these emails one day. Uh, but Brian Dable evidently, you know, there, there may be more to the whole wink parting ways than, than we know of that. There's several reports that have surfaced that kind of allude to the fact that Brian Dable is irrational. He's erratic. He, he, he regularly goes after his assistants and he doesn't just attack him. He attacks them personally. Um, we did a video, uh, we, we called the Scrooge McDable back in early December that talked about this, that talked about, I heard rumblings that Brian Dable is kind of an asshole. Um, and I loved it cause everyone says you, you don't know anything, but now Pat letter comes out and says that it's gotta be true. <laughs> I love the giant beat reporters because you know what a thing is about giant beat reporters. You either believe the information because you want to believe the information because it validates your point. Or if you don't want to believe the information, then they're just hundred percent full of shit. But like I said, I've been hearing this about Dable going back to beginning of December. Um, and evidently Leonard came out with some more details, including Dable basically blaming the poor offensive performance on other coordinators and complete refusal to accept any blame for its regression in 2023. I believe that hundred percent. I believe that hundred percent. I love it. The other day, big L Gigante said to me, are you losing your man crush on Brian Dable? You know, it's funny. Um, I, I think the, the warts started to show after the six and two start and they started progressively getting warts for uh, warts <laughs> worst for Brian Dable. And I, and I kind of think that um, I'm not losing. Yeah, I kind of am losing my man crush on Brian Dable, I guess. Uh, evidently, in week 11, Dable slammed Wink for allowing the commanders to remain in the game. Now, I remember that game. His defense had four turnovers. Uh, the special teams, I believe, had a turnover as well. And that's uh, that was a Tommy DeVito game. And they had uh, two of its th- uh, Yeah, I think two of the three touchdowns they had were on short fields because of takeaways by the defense. But Washington, I guess, during that game, I remember that was driving, and Kayvon Thibodeau got a, rough, a roughing the passer penalty outside of the red zone. 
Um, and evidently that's when Wink started blaming, playing the blame game on Martindale and his entire staff. He says, you're going to lose this game. Just like you lost us the jet game. Dable griped the jet game. I think you held in the negative nine yards passing. Dable was evidently blaming the defense. It says here for the giants infamous 10, 13 loss to the jets on the 29th of October. Yeah. They, they managed nine yards passing. And honestly, if you look at it, it was Dable who mismanaged the game, mismanaged the game at the end. And he pretty much opened the door for that meltdown before, before that collapse. And evidently he's saying that Dable's never short of criticism, criticism, but apparently he doesn't come up with any solutions. He said uh, that the other report was Dable's sideline behavior was destructive in many coaches' opinions. His input was never proactive, always reactionary. His outrage was rarely accompanied by suggestions for a solution. He has no composure, one source, one team source dead, said. And reportedly, Wink reached out to Giants' ownership to kind of circumvent Dable, which eventually led to the general manager, Joe Shane, listening into, listening into it, all this on the headset. You know what's funny when everyone was blaming Wink? Didn't I, didn't I mention that there's always two sides to the story and, and let's not just take the information that was given us to by a beat writer, which was provided by the giants organization itself, basically to go after wank. It's kind of like what happened with Patrick Graham and a couple of other coaches that, that leave this art, that leave this shit show of an organization at time. So evidently Shane has been monitoring everything that's been going on at Washington after being alerted by several meaningful parties that Dable's behavior and sidelight dynamics were not constructive. Shane would stay on the headset for four games, including against the commanders, the Patriots, the Packers and the saints uh, before stepping off the, before leaving, stepping off the line um, for the last three games. Now, Dable I don't know. Dable, Dable is just one of those guys that I, I just don't get it. And evidently Dable did take over play calling for Mike Kafka. It says here that Dable took over play calling away from Kafka multiple times. Uh, according to source says, and gave it back to him each time he gave it to the giants quarterback coach for the second half of the Dallas game in week 10. Dable's unpredictability, one source says, was his defining trait. There's no pattern. There's no rhythm. There's no reason to his change other than others' perspectives. Week, wink, excuse me, Dable took over Kafka's offensive meetings in week seven ahead of the home game against Washington. Uh, that, that, would, yeah, that, that would actually make sense. And didn't completely give back control to Kafka until week 11 after the offensive averaged 11 and a half points during a one and three stretch. Stretch. It doesn't sound good, does it? <laughs> it doesn't sound good. So the story of the new 2023 Giants undoing isn't about the personal feud between Dable and Martindale. It's about bad football and the flawed process that still exists inside the Giants' wall, says an insider. It's about the organization with enough problems that one Giants staffer recently advised an NFL assistant calling about a vacancy. Do not come here. Now, it's also reported that Dable has basically a destructive ego, that Dable receives advice on his headset and those in the moment from the analytics and the team management control. But the one source called in collaboration with a broken process saying it's not thought out or advanced. And regardless of what the discussion is during the week, Dable's game plan decisions come up for up for grabs, impulse calls without guardrails. <laughs> this isn't good. <laughs> There's, there's so, there is so many things wrong here. Like we always say there, there is something, something, something very wrong here. 
I I mean, what do you what what are you supposed to do? What the hell is supposed to do, you moron? I got no freaking clue. If half of this is true, if half of this is true, it, it's just crazy. Uh, evidently, also when Wink gave Dable the game ball following a Week Twelve victory over the Patriots, it seemed the staged and dishonest. We all knew that. We all looked like that was that was pretty much just that was pretty much just a given. That that was pretty much just garbage. Plenty of people in the building, including players, coaches, and executives, says Dable's meaningful uh, meaningful capital from last year's success brought meaningful capital last year's success, but now the pressure has turned up in year three because of how badly year two went. Oh, dear Lord. Could you, could, you could not make this stuff up. I mean, you really can't. I mean, we, we blamed Wink for everything because it, it, was just, it was just easier to do that. Then actually, and I said this before, it's easier just to blame Wink than to try to find the truth. Do you turn around and blow up the coaching staff again? No, because then you're not building up any continuity. But the fact that, like I said, it just, it just, and everyone, like I said, everyone wanted to blame Wink. Everyone was blaming Wink. I didn't blame Wink. I, I never went back. Even when all these reports came out about Wink, I never blamed Wink because I don't, I still don't believe Wink was the problem. I still think it all goes to Brian Dable. And as a head coach, you are responsible for your entire staff. You are responsible. You And, and, I, and I said it once and I said it before and I'll say it again. Him having that nine o'clock press conference, then going behind basically Wink's back and firing Wink's assistants was Bush League. What was petty and was, was used to force Wink out of the building. And I think that's what kind of Brian Dable wanted to do. And I think that's what Brian Dable meant to do. It, it, it's he's got, it, it was almost like he had no guts that he had no guts to face wink. So he was just going to go out and get, you know, fire winks guys who wink came and said to New York, I have to have these guys. These are my right hand men. And Dable knew that. So you, you, you had this thing at nine o'clock in the morning press conference saying, yeah, we're bringing wink back. And then you turn around and say, well, no, we're not bringing Wink back. It's <laughs> 2.30, then Wink is gone. There, there is a lot of smoke coming out of the, coming out of the Giants building. There, I, and like I said, do what do you do? I mean, honestly, what do you do? Has Joe Shane... I mean, has Dable seen is is Shane seen the light about what Dable is? I mean, after all this, you would have to think he has. But is he going to do anything about it? Probably not. I I I just I just don't I don't see it. I don't literally see it happening. It's just it's just one of it's just one of those crazy stories. I want to talk about Cave on Thibodeau a second, and and I went longer on Wink than I wanted to, but. Kayvon is always, hey kids, look over there. Who is it? It's Kayvon, the friendly pass rusher. Oh no, now he's gone. It's one of those things with Kayvon that Kayvon's, you know, he had it in the early part of the season. He wasn't playing well. He came out and basically bashed the fans. Then he started getting some sacks and the fans jumped back on his side again. And then the last five, six weeks of the season, he basically did nothing. He basically just disappeared. 
And there was always that talk. There was always that scuttlebutt that over in Oregon that he, he took plays off. We actually saw him take weeks off. Now, one of the things I can tell you this, there is a difference between having heart and, di- and the difference between having passion. Passion at times is just something you are passionate about. It, it can carry you through a little bit here and there. But if you don't have heart to go along with the passion, it doesn't mean anything. Because heart is what drives you. Heart is what keeps you running. Heart. I will. T- I've always said this before. I was n- never near the any the most talented player on any team I ever played on. But one thing that people will always say: I had passion for the game and I had heart. They will say that I would never quit. That I would never stop. That it, even if I had a broken leg, I'd be dragging my ass across the field trying to go after someone as quickly as I possibly could, even if I couldn't make the play. And then I watch. I, I sit there and you watch Brian Dable. And not Brian, you watch Kayvon Thibodeau. And we pointed this out numerous times. I don't want to keep going over and over again, but there are multitudes of plays that I pointed out the one play with the Jason Pennock in Philadelphia when Swift got around Kayvon and he looked like he was going for Pennock and Kayvon was the trailer. And Kayvon basically just stopped. He stopped running. He, he just stood there. And I thought to myself, what if Pennock missed? What if Lawrence Taylor decided that he didn't want to go, he didn't want to run down Ruben Mays from behind in that game against uh, the Saints? And there was other plays that the play was away from Kayvon, and instead of running to and trying to take the angle to be a part of the play, he literally, and this is the last like four or five of the games, he would literally just stop and put his hands on his side, just not even move. And he's one of the few players that he's taken fifth overall who's supposed to be a destructive force who can get blocked by a quarterback, manhandled by a tight end, and be completely taken out of the game by a left tackle by just pushing him wide. There is, there is something that in the element of Kayvon's game that just is not there. And I think the talent is there. I do think he's a tweener in reference to his size. I don't know if he's a defensive end. I don't know if he's a linebacker. But a lot of times, like I said, a lot of times I think it's about it's about it's about the heart. It's about playing with heart. It's about playing with desire. Yeah, you can have passion for the game, but if you don't have the heart to go with that passion, you're a guy that takes plays off. You're a guy that takes weeks off. You're a guy that takes entire games off. You're a guy that gets manhandled by by a second string line against Philadelphia in that last game. You're a guy that can put up three sacks in one game and then turn around and do nothing the next. It's not about consistency. It's about the it's about desire. It's about the willingness. Sometimes, sometimes just having the heart and the willingness to go through and do something, really it's what sets you apart from other people. And I get kind of concerned that he just doesn't have that motor. He just doesn't have that intangible. You know, he may get sacks and bunches for a couple of games that then he disappears for six or seven. I had someone try to compare him to Michael Strahan early in his career. I'm like, evidently you didn't watch Strahan. Strahan was not Strahan was not polished early in his career, but also the fact that Strahan was a second round pick. Sometimes you got to look at a player for what they are. You know, he he is a guy that could have immense talent. He is a guy that I'm not saying he doesn't put in the work. I'm not saying he doesn't do it. You know, do what he needs to do during the week. But when Sunday rolls around. There are moments where he is just, he's just nowhere to be found. And when you're being blocked by Jalen Hurts, I mean, there's something, like we said it before, there's something very wrong here. Oh, we got a lot to talk about all during this week. So make sure you stay tuned for this. And don't forget, this is Tim and Stuart Jack. Straight talk. Don't forget to like, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to ring that bell because you want to know why. That'll be awesome.